my mom mostly trying to stop me of not going that far with comedy, mm -hmm. with stand-up about church, but she doesn't speak English. She <laughs> has no idea what I'm talking about. Filmmakers make films, but films make filmmakers. From blockbuster premieres to grindhouse theaters, late night cable to the local video store, there is no greater classroom for aspiring filmmakers than cinema itself. Join your host, Eric Skorzynski, as he dives deep into the minds of legendary directors, producers, actors, and more to discover their biggest influences and to explore the impact their films are leaving behind. This is Film School. Grab your popcorn. Class is about to begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Film School podcast. Today's guest is the wonderfully talented Bruna Portugal. She is a Brazilian actress who was born and raised in the country of Brazil, and her acting career took off when she relocated to the capital and worked with a big soap opera director named Wolf Maia. In 2020, Bruna took the action of moving to LA where she worked on her comedy and improv skills with Suzanne Kent from The Groundlings, along with writing, producing, directing, and acting in comedy content, gathering over 20 million views on the internet. With less than a year in the stand-up field, she already performed for the Netflix is a Joke Festival at the Laugh Factory. I really enjoyed this conversation with Bruno. We talked a little bit about being raised in a very conservative Christian family in Brazil, what it was like really unleashing herself for the first time in a creative way, and what it was like stepping into the comedy scene in LA, getting to learn about some of the comedy giants like Dave Chappelle for the first time, and really getting familiar with the American comedy scene and getting on stage at Netflix is a joke festival with less than a year in the stand-up field. It was actually her third performance. We talk about how that all happened in this episode. I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bruna Portugal. Bruna, thank you so much for taking the time to make this happen. Thank you for inviting me. I know you're working on a ton of stuff right now, but I want to go back to the very beginning. Tell me a little bit about like childhood, Bruna, like <laughs> growing up in Brazil, what was your experience like? What was your surroundings and influences at a, as a, at a pretty early age? Oh, I grew up in church. Basically, my whole family is Christian. So I would go to church basically every single day. <laughs> and so I would do theater at the church. I would mm. sing at the church. I would do everything with them. So that was pretty much a Christian childhood. It was, I think like my childhood was completely different than everyone else who lived in Brazil. It could be way cooler, but, yeah. but I was a church girl. That's yeah. yeah, I grew up in church as well. Really? And yeah, not in Brazil, but, but, but yeah, I grew up in church as well. And that's where picked up a camera for the first time, started exercising some of the, the talents and things that I had. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting way to grow up because you do, like you said, it's different than everybody around you, but it gives you a lot of unique perspectives and influences and inspirations and like later on. A lot of people in the industry started like a church, would yeah. sit at church or do theater, like dance. I would do everything at church. Yeah. Do everything. Yeah. yeah. So you were encouraged, it sounds like pretty early on to pursue that stuff. It wasn't like, no, you, it wasn't like Footloose where it's, you can't go dance. You can't go do this. It was like, yeah, test it out. See what you're good at. See what you can do. Yes. Yes, cool. 100%. Were there any influencers or celebrities or performers that really captured your attention at an early age that you were trying to mimic or replicate? Yeah, we had, I had some Brazilian singers that mm -hmm. I was in love and we have soap operas in Brazil. Like it's yeah. a huge thing. And I remember I would be like doing the scenes in front of the mirror, like by myself, using yeah. my mom's clothes and makeup. 
But when I was a teenager, I got obsessed about Britney Spears. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm still like, free Britney, let's go. And I remember I was crazy about her. I would do everything mm. like Britney. And in 2006, when she was going through all that thing, I was like, mom, if she dies, I'll die too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she's amazing. I think the, the biggest thing about Britney was to me was like, it really got me in alert about how my career could go and mm. could go bad as well. So. Yeah. Since I was really young, I was like, yo, this could end up like Britney. <laughs> yeah. So it helped me in that sense. And I think she's amazing, even though everything she went through. She's so yeah. yeah. So stepping into that world a little bit, because you obviously started acting in Brazil and ended up working in with soap opera directors there and working your way up as an actress in that country. Tell me a little bit just about the experience of going from being a consumer of entertainment to actually trying to get into the industry. Like was it more challenging than expected? Were there things that, because it's all magic when you're on one side of the screen and sometimes it can't be on the other side. What were those first steps like? Oh, it's terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> but I feel like I always tell my friends, if you don't love it, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, please do. Yeah. Just go be happy because this is not what people think it is. But it was, of course, challenging, but at the same way, I think I was pretty much blessed because I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's crazy to say, but I am. And so like I had opportunities and every opportunity that I had, I got it because mm. I knew what, what I was doing. I went to school as an actress. First of all, I went to school, I think it's the first step. And at this school, at the beginning was really difficult. I was like, what am I doing here? I can't do this because I was raising church. Yeah. And yet like in theater, at least in Brazil, you start to do theater in Brazil. Everybody's naked. And you have to free your body and you have to. And I was that like, doesn't go over well in church for sure. Right. And yeah. I was like, no, I can't do that. And it, it took me a while to, to really let it go and mm. uh, open myself as an actress. Yeah. And when I started to do it, when I swift, it was amazing. And then mm. I said, okay, I'm good. I can do it. And then I discovered myself in comedy, which it's what I really do. Yeah. So it was easy to me in that yeah. part. What was it about comedy specifically that kind of appealed to you? <sighs> That's terrible for me to say, because I think what really appeals to me is that I'm good. Mm. It's, I love to do it because it's natural to me. Like if I say drama, I can do drama. But the way I do drama, I, I always use my past experience to to build the character and everything. And that's, I go through a lot of pain to do that. It's yeah. really painful to me to do drama because of that. And comedy just comes out. I love to talk to people. And I think the most beautiful thing about comedy is like, you can change somebody's day, like making them laugh and forget about that problem they have, at least if it's for one minute, but yeah. you, you made it. And growing up, I had like really tough moments, like in my childhood, that I remember myself watching comedy and mm. I would love it. I would laugh and that would give me hope. So I wanted to do the same thing for people. And when I discovered that I could do that easily, I was like, yo, I'm good at this. I I'm gonna yeah. do this. I can do that for people and I'm good. I don't yeah. have to suffer because I thought for me to be an actress, I had to do drama. In mm -hmm. Brazil, you do a lot of drama, like comedy. Now it's more stronger, but in the past it wasn't like it is in America. So you had to do drama. And when I figured I could do comedy and it would be natural for me, yeah. it was... Huh. 
So it's been just following your natural talents and going, Mm -hmm. okay, I feel stronger in this area. I'll just follow that and pursue that. Yeah. I love that you mentioned, because I wanted to ask you before we even jumped on, I was thinking about the spiritual feeling of creating, because that's something that I grew up religious. So I understand like these feelings, we have these spiritual moments and the closest thing to that outside of, I guess, religion has been creativity for me. It's like when you create something that works, it's a spiritual experience. When you watch something, sometimes sitting in a movie theater, you're like, am I sitting in church? Because there's this kind of spiritual connection between you and what's happening on screen. When's the first time you remember having a spiritual experience performing? Wow, performing. Let me think. I think it was when I did my first theater play. Hmm. I never felt like that. That's crazy because the closest feeling I had like that one was in church. Yeah. When you literally give yourself completely. And at the theater, I really had that wow. And before acting, the, I remember I saw this movie until today. It's my favorite movie, Black Swan. And I got obsessed. Like when I was watching that movie, I was like, the way she gave herself, of course, in a crazy way, she died. I didn't watch the movie, but she dies. And the way she gave herself, I was like, that's what I want to do. Not dying, but (laughs) that's, I don't want to hold myself in anything, even though if it's church. Now my stand up comedy is about church. My slogan is like, I'm Christian. And then I say the the terrible things I do as a Christian girl, but I'm Christian. But I don't want to hold myself. I don't want to be like, I can't do this or that because I'm Christian. When I watched that movie, it helped me understand, even though my religion and everything, I can just be this character right now and give everything. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like the uh, there's a movie from the 30s called The Red Shoes, which is a really beautiful movie. And there's a line in it where they ask this dancer, why do you want to dance? And she asks, why do you want to live? And it's this thing wow. of like, I have to perform. I have to do this. There's something that's part of me. And to feel that strongly about it is a powerful thing. But also growing up in this religious bubble, you, you joke in your stand-up about changing lyrics to Britney Spears songs around your mom and all these kind of things. And that's so, true. It actually happened. <laughs> did you get pushback from them at all? Is, hey, just don't cross this line or, hey, we're worried that you're doing this type of performance or this type of comedy? But <laughs> a funny thing is like yesterday, I still posted like a stories that because I have this joke that I say, I grew up in a very tough Christian family and my mom would go to church so many times that even the pastor was trying to avoid her. Yeah. <laughs> and now I posted the video yesterday because my mom became a pastor herself. <laughs> so nobody can stop that woman of going to church. It's the next but, logical step. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think I would have this thing about people's trying like my mom mostly trying to stop me of not going that far with comedy Mm -hmm. with stand-up about church but she doesn't speak english (laughs) no idea what i'm talking about if you say hi to my mom she'd be like she has no idea so that's good for me and the church i'm in now it's online i'm from i'm part of transformation church and i watch it like every sunday online because they are in tusa so i feel like they don't know what i'm (laughs) Once my pastor watched my stories, I was almost crying, but he didn't say anything. Nobody said anything. And I honestly, like when I write my jokes, I talk to God. I literally mm-hmm. like, God is a joke, right? That's <laughs> funny. It's funny too. He's talking to Drew. And before I go on stage, I pray. I mm-hmm. literally every single time I'd be like, God, please hold my hand. But I, I learned how to treat it. It's my job. 
Yeah. It's my job. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, do you have any lines for yourself where you go? Cause I, this is one thing about comedians and the more that I listen to comedians and follow comedians, there's, they're always pushing the envelope on, on different areas. And also they tell the truth through comedy, which is there's some things you talk about in your standup. Like you said that the church doesn't care about the size of your butt. It's like the size of your wallet, like that kind of thing. Do you have anything for you where you're like, I don't want to cross this line, or I feel like there's this like tiptoe or balance around this, or is it, if it's funny? It's crazy because like when you write your own material, I write comedy skits as well and everything. Yeah. And sometimes I'm writing and I'm like, yo, you're going to act in the shit, right? That's your face. <laughs> right. You're going to say those lines. <laughs> like, like, it's, you're not selling this script to nobody else. It's your face. I used to, I still have a lot of material that I never tried that I mm-hmm. write and I'd be like, so when I'm ready, I'll do it. And yeah. I'm not ready yet, but it's there. Every time I have something on my mind, I just write everything. I don't do it like until even more about past relationships and everything. I'd be like, mm, this person might suit me yet. Let me, wait a minute. But I'm trying not to. I have one joke that I, that I tell that sometimes I feel like shy to say. And I'm like, sometimes I do it. Sometimes I, if I'm feeling more like not secure enough. Yeah, I don't do it. It depends on the audience as well, because when I start going a sexual way and talking about church in the same time, I see how they receive it. Yeah, uh, But I have this joke that I say, I'm not supposed to have sex before marriage. Why did God create black men? <laughs> and as a point I say, and the craziest thing, when I had sex for the first time after I left church, it turns out I don't know how to fuck because we don't do some things in church. And that joke, it's not every time I do it. Sometimes I feel like shy. I'm like, I don't, they're going to believe it. And some things it's not even true. It's just, it's funny. It's my yeah. to sit on, in front of my laptop and say, what would be funny? But people take some things like really seriously. So sometimes I'd be like, yeah, I shouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah. You got to gauge them on the first couple jokes for sure. <laughs> Speaking of comfort zones, like you obviously were having success in Brazil and working with some really talented people. What prompted you to say, okay, LA, because- Talk about jumping from one thing to another. There's, It's LA. There's so many people every day flying to LA hoping that they're going to have some kind of luck in that city. What made you leave the comfort zone of seeing success to trying to pursue something completely new? If you want the, the real long version or you I want, want like the short Let's go real long version. Oh, shit. You asked <laughs> uh, First of all, a breakup. Like mm. I needed to get over to leave a relationship, but- Actually, it wasn't his fault. It was it was his fault. Anyways, I always wanted to go to, to move to LA. I had this dream, like I came here once to, to visit LA. And it was at the time that like Wonder Woman has just mm-hmm. dropped. And like, she's not from here and she have an accent and something like that. And I was like, I started to see some things of Sofia Vergara because people came to me and said, yo, your comedy remember, reminds me of Sofia Vergara. I was like, who is that? And yeah. I had that in my mind and I remember it was like 2000 something I sent, it was a long time ago, I sent a mail to this acting school and they asked me to audition and I was approved, but Mm. I didn't want to go. I was like, I'm in a relationship. If I leave this man here and go to LA, like it's not lasting, it's not going to happen. So I was like, I'm walking here. It's amazing. Like, why do I have to go? But that thing would never leave my mind. And when they happened that, I was doing like routines, exams. That's how you call exams. I don't know. 
tests, like blood tests and everything. Yeah. And I, I got to know that I had a tumor in my mm. left kidney. It was a benign tumor. I was okay. The problem was that tumor was there for a long time. So if I would fall in a different way, it could break inside me and I would mm. bleed to death like in 30 minutes. So Jeez. I, yeah, I had this kind of this bomb inside me. And when this happened, I was like, yo, I could just die any moment and I'm not doing mm. what I really want to do. Yeah. Like, I'm not happy. It's cool and all, but I always have this on my mind and I'm not doing and this was like in April or something. And by September, I was in LA. I was wow. like, I just packed everything. I was like, I'm so sorry. I got to do it. And the relationship ended, as I knew. And it is what it is. I had to do. I feel like it was a wake up call. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're not fully happy. If I would die today, I would be happy. Yeah. Because I, I'm trying. I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that's. There's that what if, it's that what if I didn't do it or what if I didn't try it? And that's, and it's obviously it sucks to fail at something or it sucks if it doesn't go, but it's, I think it's worse to know, could I have made it or could I have done this or would I have been happier doing this and just pursuing it? And again, even if, even if something doesn't work out or you don't achieve exactly what you thought, or it's a different path, it's still better than the alternative of wondering. 100%. 100%. And I wasn't just like following my dream because of someone else. It wasn't even because of me. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. I mean, adjusting there and you've obviously already had some success being in LA and Netflix is a joke. (laughs) Like that's crazy. Like a year in. That was my third stand-up comedy show ever. How scared were you? <laughs> I was dying. Like I yeah. had the tape of that day. I posted like one really small clip, but I yeah. hate it. I hate it because me, Bruna, I know like that inside I was like, Jesus Christ, what I'm doing here. Yeah. It was amazing, but I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. Was jumping into stand up. Obviously, I think it's the number one fear is public speaking second is death. So what is it when you're going out for the first time? Because stand up to me, like, and it's something I'm total coward here. A friend and I in Vegas always talk about like okay. trying stand up and not because I'm one of those people that thinks, oh, I could do it and I'll go, but it's just to see if we could, if there's something we could do, but it's terrifying. Like the idea of if you're giving a speech and it's serious, that's fine. If you're waiting for someone to laugh at a joke and it's crickets, that's got to be the scariest thing ever. How, how did you get yourself on stage the first time? What were the, um, <laughs> was it just a lot of throwing up and then walking up there? Or was I it went a, out. I don't yeah. remember anything. Mm. Uh, I saw some, my friend tape it for me, but when I left the stage, I didn't remember anything I said. I don't know. I didn't know what happened. I just remember people laughing, but I always wanted to do a stand-up. In Brazil, I didn't have time because I was working on other projects. I didn't have time to start. But when I moved to America, I wanted so much because here in LA is so strong. It's stronger than it is in Brazil. I would go to the Laugh Factory by myself to watch stand-up. I would buy tickets to my friends to come with me to the Laugh Factory, to the comedy store. Like, just come. I bought the ticket. No problem. Let's go. I would go all the time, but I always was like, "Mm, that's not for me because Mm. of my English. I have a thick accent and I was like, people won't like me. Like I'm not American. It doesn't make sense. Until one day I have this friend, she's a Russian, she's from Russia and she has an accent as well. Not strong like mine, but 
And she does a stand-up. And one day I came to her, I was like, yo, I admire you so much. You're so amazing. You're doing it. I think it's amazing. As a woman, it's even it's so difficult to mm -hmm. open up like that. And I told her I always wanted to do, but I, I don't think it's for me. And one day, and she was like, oh my God, I think it's one day out of nowhere. She was like, Bruna, I have this show. Um, I'm producing the show. If you want to come and do three minutes, just do it for fun. Mm. And like, Whatever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? I was screaming in this studio. I was running, screaming. Like, oh, oh, I did. And it was in the yeah. same week. Yes, of course. Why not? <laughs> but inside I was dying. And I did it. And I did really good. Mm. It was really good. Everyone was laughing. I don't know if they were just nice because it was my first time. Which, which is the thing I did the first time. It was amazing. And then I booked another show after, right after I sent the tape of my first time and I booked another show and I was like, I'm so I good. got this. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Thank you so much for giving me so much talent. I don't even have to try or do open mics. I just do shows. And I completely bombed. Like in my mind, I completely bombed because I know how the show could be. Like, yeah. You already know how it can go. And then I was like, oh, I'm good, but yeah. <laughs> I have to work on this, but yeah. Yeah. So how did the Netflix is a joke thing happen then? Because that was your third so that was your third time up. Yeah. Was there any part of you that's I don't know, I bombed last time. I don't know if this so, is gonna be a good idea. So this time that I think it was terrible. The guy who was hosting the Netflix a joke show in that the one that I did, he went to watch a friend of his. And he saw my set and he was like, I have nothing like that in that show, the show I'm doing, because it was all this about church and how I'm Christian and the songs of Britney Spears and everything. And he loved it. I mm. hate it. I swear to God, I think it's one of the worst shows I've ever done in my life. I've never looked back. I have the tape. I never watch it. But I booked the, the Netflix a joke in that show. Wow. That's super cool. That's super yeah. cool. So I was just in the right place in the right time with the right person in the room. Yeah. Just going and doing it. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest influences on the comedy side? Because I know you mentioned people were saying, oh, you're like Sofia Vergara's humor here. And you, who's that? Was there this, was there like a learning curve? Because I don't know. I, you know, we were in India for a little while and it's yeah. interesting what comes from America out to India versus yeah. what's popular there. Were you aware of, were you watching Dave Chappelle? Were you watching these different comedians or was it something where it's like a quick learning curve of, okay, who's popular stand-up, let me learn this art form. What was that process like? I hate that you asked me that because I have to say that I didn't know who Dave Chappelle is, was until the, this year. Wow. I didn't know. No. Uh, he's not, we don't talk about him in Brazil. Did you have any stand-ups that were super popular in Brazil? That we were like, like stand-up, Brazilian stand-up. Brazilian stand-up comics, yeah. No, there was I've nobody. Never... I've noticed that, like even I've heard, I've listened to a couple of shows where like, Comedians will talk about even going to like, you know, England, like they'll go there and they're like, we're not English stand-up comic. It's so interesting how comedy is such a cultural thing that like, it doesn't travel unless you're like massive. There's like very few comedians that like seem to have yeah. worldwide fame. 100%. Like in yeah. Brazil, we have stand-up comedians. We have really good comedians, which was like, they were my influence yeah. to, to the comedy, but it's like, a Double, yeah. like I was just watching them. I knew Kevin Hart because of his movies, not because right. of stand-up. I yeah. didn't know he would do stand-up. I had no clue. Yeah. I watched his movies. And Dave Chappelle, I had no idea how he was. 
Now every week, at least once a week, I watch one of his stand-ups. I, yeah. I'm completely obsessed about that man. I think he's a genius. And Sofia Vergara, I never watched Mother Family. When people started to tell me a lot of that, even more when I moved here, I was like, I think it's better for me not to watch. Because <laughs> people are already saying that like they have something there. I don't want to feel like I'm copying her. Exactly. Amazing and everything, but I never watched. I watched one movie of her in Brazil when people first told me that. It's a movie with Reese Winterspoon, I mm. think. But after that, I, I didn't watch anything. I was like, when I moved here, I got a lot from teachers and everything. I was like, yeah, I think it's better not to. <laughs> better, better not to know. <laughs> yeah. is, is there a lot of that? Because you mentioned Dave Chappelle, you watch a lot of him. And I'm sure there's other people on that list that you would go through and watch quite a bit. Do you have any fear of that on the comedy side of going, I don't want to start copycatting, even on accident. Like, I don't want to watch something, forget I watched it. And then... <laughs> Honestly, that thing about... Sophia, 100%. Because yeah. I already point that. So I'm okay. I love that I can say I never watch anything of her. So yeah. I, I'm not trying. But Dave Chappelle, I think I wish I could copy him. I mm-hmm. think it's impossible. Yeah, it's exactly. impossible. It's just impossible. I think watching him helps me to open my mind about what comedy can be like. One day I was doing this show, I'm not going to say where, because people might know what it is, but, and I'm not saying my comedy is there. I don't think it's there like at all, but I try to make a point about things. And we had this headliner, he's super funny, super funny, don't get me wrong. And the audience was cracking, laughing about, like with him. He had, I had 15 minutes on stage, he had 30 and everyone loved him. He's great. But basically his 30 minutes was talking about shaving his balls how it is and it's funny i get it. it's funny people were drinking it. it's funny when you get dave chappelle what he's talking about that's where i want to go so i think watching dave chappelle helps me to open more my mind and be like it's not just about this that is funny yeah. like you can open more and that's what i want to be so that's why i keep watching him because it's so easy for me like just go on stage and be talking about sex and it's funny and there's nothing wrong i just want to be more and do more like, yeah that the shock humor is great. And there's comedians that crush it and do that. But it is cool with any art form, I think, to be able to open a wire discussion about social issues. And it's the comedians that I think have the longest staying power. You have Chappelle or Carlin or these guys that would use comedy as a bridge to talk about something that you can't talk about, especially yeah. issues of religion or politics or fill in the blank, whatever topic you want to put there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point, I want to go like deeper in church. I don't think I'm still ready. Yeah. Ready yet. But at some point, I want to be. And I, because I was raised in church and I saw so many wrong things going on. And then I can't talk about. I think I feel I just didn't went there yet because one of the most difficult things in LA is like at stage time. It's really difficult for you to have 15 minutes in a stage in LA. It's yeah. the person. It's really difficult. Uh, you have to go for the things that is right. It works. But at some point, when I start getting more stage time and everything, I want to go deeper in that shit because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. My mom would hate me, but <laughs> she doesn't well, understand. I hope nobody translates my stand-up to her. If you ever get your, your Netflix special, she'll have subtitles so then you're screwed (laughs) when you get i only say if because it could be hbo it could be showtime there's other places there you go but no so obviously you've got the stand-up side when you first came to la you started doing acting school as well is it something where you'd like to do 
both of those things is stand up the one route now and you were testing act like where do you feel like that's gonna land or is it just following whatever door opens up yeah as long as it's comedy mm-hmm. i'm doing both i love yeah. both i love acting one of my big goals is like being a sitcom i love sitcoms because live with live audience mm-hmm. i love this I have the feeling with the audience i love acting as well and i don't think like i, w- I don't know if i can choose i want to do both yeah both. but i know it's comedy yeah. i know that's what i love to do yeah yeah i think that's really cool yeah i it is funny i was just thinking about because you were talking about religion and that's something that whenever i'm talking about doing it. That's the topics that I could talk the most about because like you, I saw a lot of things that weren't great. And there's so much material there that I don't hear comedians talk about, but it's also one of the things like, I'm like, put that camera away. If I'm going to get up and do it, I don't want that leaking out because there's some, there's a lot of crazy stuff we could talk about for sure. Like honestly about church, about God. And like, I have so many questions (laughs) and like, it would be funny because nobody's asking those questions, even more yeah. on stage. Yeah. And I get comedians, we end up going to the safe space mm-hmm. because it has to be fun. You have to make that, that people laugh. You're not Dave Chappelle who goes there and starts yeah. talking about whatever you want and it's genius. Like you have yeah. to. And you have to worry about losing people too because if they don't have that shared experience or they have a passing knowledge, it's a totally different ballgame. I don't know. I got a show one day that I don't know what happened. It was just like, Literally, like, people were 60 years old. Uh, nobody left in any of my jokes. Not even one. Yeah. Because I was talking about church and everything. It was completely silent. shut down. Time. And I saw, like, this old man, like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what I'm doing here. But That's anyway. Funny. The other thing I want to talk to you about before we hop into our random round is you, you've been doing a lot on social media. And I think that's a really... It's crazy to me. I can't even say how many times I listen. 90% of what I listen to is comedy. Like I listen to comedy podcasts all day long. That's what I love listening to. And it's crazy to me when I listen to a comedian I love, or I hear an interview with an actor I love, and I go to social media and there's like nothing there. (laughs) They're not creating anything, any kind of content there. And number one, just tell me a little bit about just how you've tackled the idea of social media. Have you made that a challenge for yourself as far as just creating? And then what's been, you've gotten a lot of traction on social. What's been the secret there to to growing? I hate it. I can't <laughs> wait for me to be like famous, big or something and just hand like my Instagram to my manager or something and never log in again. Mm. I think there's a lot of pressure on social media about likes, views, but nowadays you got to do it. And I treat my social media as like a portfolio. That's yeah. how I'd rather treat it. Because if I treat it like as a personal thing, it gives me anxiety. So no, yeah. this doesn't work. Just post memes, my, my stories. If I disappear one day from my stories, because I post memes the whole day, people are like, what is the memes? If I post myself, one day I went to a premiere and I was just posting myself. I, I didn't have time to post memes. People are like, where are the memes? Where's, like, yeah, where's the memes? We're not here for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you have the audacity to like you're seeing my pretty face and you rather see memes. Uh, but but it's amazing. People got your shit and I love it. I see social media as like a platform where you can put some ideas people would buy wouldn't buy it. Some things I can uh, sometimes I don't feel like that comfortable of saying on stage yet. Like I have a comedy skit that I say I'm in a restaurant reading the menu and the waiter comes to me like, Oh hi, what do you need? And I'm like 
what do I need? And she was like, yeah, what do you need? I was like, I need sex. <laughs> I, I need to fuck. And I started going deep and what I need in sex. I still don't feel safe to make this yeah. stage. Because if people get quiet, I'll be like, so your 60 you- plus audience isn't going to like that. Exactly. So when you post on social media, I'm not seeing like how people are like, if they're talking shit about me, if they don't like it. Some people, when they don't like, they come to, to DM me, but I, whatever, they're not in front of me. Some ideas that I have, and I have crazy ideas. I have some scripts that I wrote and I'm like, you're really doing this? Yeah, I'm doing this. I think it's easier to do mm-hmm. because you're not in front of live audience. And right. it's something as a comedian and as an actor, I feel like nowadays, basically every profession, you have to be on social media, yeah. but it yeah. gives me anxiety and I want to leave. Yeah. And it's mainly just the expectations of people following. What do you mean? The Is the pressure mainly just like the feedback? Are people going to think it's funny? Is it that same feeling of, oh, this didn't get a lot of attention or this didn't get the comments? I think what I get even more about my work, sometimes I get, because I'm a writer and people think some things I take, some things I say as it's my personal life. It's not. So a lot of people, a lot of men have the completely wrong idea about me that they have no idea because of my social media. And I literally ignore so many DMs of people because they think I'm like the girl who's saying they're like, I'm on sex. I decide to be like, hey, girl, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) They're like, perfect. I'm looking for the same thing. Exactly. And I'm like, yo, I'm working here. Stop. So that's the problem for me. I think people still don't know like how to put like you as a person and you working even more when you're a comedian. I'm making fun of it. Yeah. And also to your being so open and it's, I, I feel this in a lot of ways. Like I've had people who've met me, who listen to the other show that I do. And I talk about religious trauma on my show. And I've talked a lot about personal stories that are true. I've talked with, shared a lot over 200 episodes and I'll meet people and be having a conversation and they'll either ask me about something or they'll tell me something because they feel like they know me because they see the content I put out. And I'm like, yeah, you don't know me, or I shared that because I felt comfortable sharing it then, but as I mean, I want to talk to you about it. It's like this weird, social media is just a weird one-sided conversation where when you actually sit down and talk with somebody, like yes. they have this perception of you that may or may not be yeah. accurate. You know? And even on stand-up, I have that joke that I said about black men, yeah. if I'm not supposed to have sex before marriage, why did God create black men? When I leave this stage, there's a line. Yeah, I'm a black man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who comes to talk to me and oh, yo, what's your Instagram? I'm like, oh, it's yeah. not Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him somebody else's. Yeah. What? Yeah, people are still. It's our profession. I feel like everything comes from a place of truth. Yeah. But sometimes, as I see a situation or something, I'll be like, how would that be if it was in church? If she was Christian? If this guy? And then I write. Yeah. But it's difficult. And I feel like in social media, everyone can have access to you. So that's what gives me anxiety. I'm like, all oh, these people have no idea who I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, tricky for sure. And no matter what, I mean, stand up is definitely, you're pushing the envelope and making that. It, it's for the joke. So 80% yeah. might be true. You've got that 20% that's heightened to make it a little bit funnier. And you get something that is true. And you exaggerate that right. to a level that is, wow, this is crazy. And same with any social, any version of posting, no matter how authentic you are, there's this, per, there is a persona. And there is, if you're doing a podcast, like 
I'm sitting a slightly different way than I would if we're sitting at Denny's talking about this. There's this amplified version of who you are, not necessarily fake, just you're amplifying certain parts of your personality and is it's just always crazy i, I told my yeah it's all shit it's all uh, it's the comedian there i tell everyone it's the comedian it's me as a comedian yeah. like, i always think what is funny for this picture what is a funny cap- caption to to write like everything what is a funny meme no i don't care I just think it's funny i'm posting right and you take it as you want but it's all shit i yeah. cannot wait to leave that <laughs> guys follow me on instagram at oh. instagram <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> cool. I'm going to move us here into our rapid round. I keep moving this section up earlier and earlier because people always get stuck on these questions. So I like to give more and more time and they tend to lead to a lot of interesting discussion. I want to talk to you really quick and get your answer on a few of these questions. Again, there's no time limit on these. So take your time. Think about them. God, I'm nervous. What is that? Okay. If, if you were given the green light to work on any project, what would you choose and why? You mean like if it's a movie, if it's a stand-up or anything? Like- it's usually movie, but but I'm going to leave it open for stand-up as well in case you want to throw any stand-up related options. But anything, if you could, if they said, hey, we're going to give you the money you need to do any project that you have in your mind, what would you choose to do? Oh God, I. <laughs> Wait, how much money is that? <laughs> You're like, I have a lot of ideas. Divide and put something. I have a script that I wrote. It's called Feel the Vibration. Hmm. And it started as a comedy skit and then a short film. And now it's almost a feature film that I wrote about a, a woman first experience with a vibrator. Feel hmm. the vibration. It's amazing. And so I think I would do that project. But I love stand up. I would love to. Yeah, whatever. Put the feel the vibration. It's a movie feature. Perfect. If you're listening to this and you have a lot of money, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. What of your what of your work so far do you think is the best representation of you as a creator? Would you say it's stand up? Is it anything you've done in your acting career? What do you think is the best representation of who you are as a as an artist? I think stand up now. Cause yeah, I think stand up. I love my comedy skits. I love I love the work I did in Brazil, but I feel right now I'm a stand-up comedian mostly, like most of the time, and I love mm. it. So I think stand-up. Cool. What's I a hate mo- these questions, <laughs> by the way. Good. <laughs> That's why they're here. What's a movie that fans of yours would be surprised to know that you enjoy? So you love comedy. Is there a certain movie or television show that you enjoy that people would be shocked to know that you Honestly, like? like? My favorite movie is Black Swan. It's a really dramatic movie. Yeah, not a lighthearted comedy for sure. At all. So I think maybe that, I love that movie Sunset Boulevard as well. Mm. It's one of my favorites. So basically my favorite movies are drama. Would you you ever be interested in working in that realm at all? Or is it something where? I would 100%, but it had to be like the part of my life. Like the character has to be the biggest. I wouldn't do just a small thing in drama because it really, it's close to Black Swan <laughs> thing. It's, it, it really takes everything from me when I'm mm. doing drama. It's a, it's, it hurts me. It's a painful process to me to do drama. So it is, had to be that part. Yeah. Is comedy ever a painful process? Because you're still pulling on similar memories and similar experiences, yeah. but does it just soften the blow a little bit? Yes, it does. It, it's mm. not painful at all. Sometimes it's shameful. 
but not painful. I'm just like, I don't know, because when you write comedy, I always go in some subjects in comedy when I feel I'm ready to mm. talk about it. Some things I know that already happened to me that I don't even talk about on stage yet. Yeah. I just process everything. And when I can see from outside and laugh about yeah. that situation, I'm like, okay, I'm writing about it. Yeah. And then there's always the moment where you think something's really funny and then everyone looks at you. That sounds horrible. <laughs> All the good. time. People are like, Bruno, you're sick. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Come to my show. Perfect. <laughs> what do you think is the best decade of movie history? If you had to watch a decade of movies, what would your go-to be? <gasps> That's terrible because I didn't watch, I have a problem to watching like old movies. Mm. Uh, I love to watch what is new. What is coming out every Except for Sunset Boulevard. Yes. So Sunset Boulevard, what happened? I was in acting school and my teacher played in, in the in, in our class. So I had to watch it and I love it. I have wait, it's right here. The DVD oh. is right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'm obsessed about Marilyn Monroe. Hmm. So when was it? She would be 50, 50 something. Yeah, I literally yeah. have a frame of her in, in, on top of my bedroom. So, like, whenever Marilyn was alive, I think she was amazing. What was it about Marilyn's? Was it just her performing? Was it her persona? So what I think about, what I love about her, that I used, I still bring to my comedy, even more when I do comedy skits and everything. She was this sexy, but it's still sweet and innocent. So if you watch all my comedy skits, I can be like saying all this crazy shit, but I'm always in the innocent part. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm always, so I love how she could shift. Even though she was so sexy, she was so innocent at the same time. Mm. I think that's amazing. Even when I go on stage, people always say, no, you're so likable. Like you sing terrible things, but you sound so innocent when you say that. And that's what I love about her. I think she's Mm. a genius for doing that. Yeah, I'm excited for Blonde, the new movie coming out. Yeah, looks really- I'm kind of like oh, I a hope little it's dark. Good. Yeah, like oh, I hope it's good because I never saw anyone like who can literally even get a little bit close to what she was. And I yeah. love Anna. I think Anna is yeah. amazing. But let's see. I'm it looks watch- great. She looks like she killed it. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing as Elvis. When I saw the trailer, I was like, we'll see if someone can. What really embodying. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was blown away. I because when I it so much <laughs> when it when it dropped, I when the trailer dropped for Elvis, I was like, because uh, I was like everybody else, like I saw him and I was like, he doesn't look exactly like him. Yeah. But I told my wife when we saw the trailer, I was like, because she said the same thing, and I was like, but I said it it matters that he can embody who Elvis was more than look just like him. There's tons of Elvis impersonators that look like him who wouldn't be able to act at all. And same with Marilyn Monroe. The difference is Ana de Armas looks exactly like Marilyn Monroe, which is crazy. In the trailer, for sure, like pretty darn close. Close, but exactly. I'm a big fan. So I'm like, I'm those annoying fans. She... (laughs) But, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm excited to see what happens and hopefully if it's as good as Elvis, I'll be happy. So I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Yeah, definitely. What is the number one piece of advice you would give to an aspiring artist that is listening to this? You may have given it away in the beginning where you said if you'd rather do anything else. That's do exactly that. what I would say. <laughs> if you can see your, yourself doing something else, 
just do don't mm. do this please but if this is what you want to do i would say because for me a long time even more when i moved here i was at the beginning i was trying to fit in america i realized no they already have enough of them <laughs> that's not who i need to be so i would say nobody's you and that's your power mm. just embrace who you are that's where you can be successful just use whatever you went through how you look like the way your voice sounds your accent if you're in, if you're an immigrant just that's what makes you unique hmm. yeah how do you um i guess on the flip side of that like that confidence because i think a lot of times we gauge what's good by what we know so if we see somebody that's great or we see a lot of people that sound a certain way and i think now is an incredibly diverse time in comedy. Yeah. There's so many different people, Bobby Lee, there's Andrew Santino, there's, there's all these people that are, Whitney Cummings is completely different than, there's a broad range of voices out there. When you have those moments where you're going, okay, I'm the only person I know that would say this way. Like, how do you f find the confidence to go, I'm going to go out there and try this, even though I don't have any reference for whether or not this works. <laughs> this is the first so that's the thing. It, it used to be a huge problem to me because mm -hmm. I used to try to fit. But yeah. at some point I realized I want to, I don't want to be like the second of somebody else. I want yeah. the first of me. Yeah. Like I want, I want to be the reference to other people. I don't want to be copying something. And when I, yo, and sometimes you're in stand-up show and you're the last one to go up and you see all those comedians go on, mm -hmm. going on stage. And I'm like, it's completely different to anything I do. And everyone is laughing at the audience. And you might think, will they like me too? Because I do something completely different. But when you realize that's, that's exactly what you have to do, because nobody else can do it. Yeah. I yeah. also was in a class and I saw this girl like doing, we had like improv class and everyone had to do the same scene. And I was watching, I was like, yo, nobody did it like I did. Nobody could do like I, I did. And it was great. I love yeah. it. So we have to start to feel comfortable, like in our own skin. That's what, that's the best thing you can do. Not be like everybody else. Yeah. That's the best thing. Yeah. I love that advice. And I got to ask last question. I'm going to throw this in here. Do you prefer opening for people or do you prefer coming at the end of a lineup? What you just said, do you like going in being like, okay, I got to warm everybody up. And this is the first one they're hearing. Going in the middle. <laughs> in the middle. But now, uh, look at the beginning i used to hate to go last every time i would go last i would bomb mm. every single time once i even did a show that like i did two shows in the same house and the first show i was one of the last ones completely bombed second show i was in in the middle i had like standing ovation like before clapping going crazy same set same day one yeah. hour difference every single shit. And I was so scared. Like it got me like in a point to be like, I cannot go at the end. I'm not good because yeah. the audience is tired at the end. They, yeah. drunk, they are drunk. They already ate. They left so much because I see myself as an audience when I go to stand-ups, even of my friends. At the beginning, you're laughing and laughing. At the end, even though you think it's funny, but you laugh. Uh, yeah. Okay, let me get the check. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but you don't even have energy anymore because you gave all of your energy during the show. But... At some point, I was in this club and the owner, he's a really good guy. And he was like, Bruna, that's the best moment for you to do whatever you want. Whatever. Yeah. People are tired. Like, just do whatever you want. And I started to have this thing of me to have the challenge of save the show. I'm like, because at the end, all the comedians are going, most of the comedians bomb at the end. If you watch yeah. the show, like, it's 
really difficult. And now I love the thing to go at the end and make the challenging. So yeah. I love going at the end now. I don't see it as a problem at all. But the best time to go, people, is in the middle. So if someone ever asks you, like, why do you want to be at the lineup? Middle. Perfect. Yeah. If you bomb, nobody's going to remember because you're right dead set in the middle. Perfect. And usually, like, everyone's happy in the middle. It's amazing. Love it. Thank you again so much for doing this and for taking the time. And I really do appreciate it. And I'm wishing you best of luck with everything you keep doing. And when the Netflix special happens, when the Netflix special happens, we'll be we'll be watching, cheering you on. And I look forward to see you go a little bit deeper on some of the no-no topics like religion. I'm excited to see that. So thanks again for jumping on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I already have the name for the Netflix special. It's Sorry Mom, Sorry Jesus is <laughs> <laughs> the name. But thank you so much, honestly. I love the interview. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Film School Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. Thanks for listening to the Film School Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.